TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I am Ann Baldwin, one of your co-hosts, and uh, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, who is usually sitting right across from me, she's taking a little break, getting a little R&R, well-deserved, I might add. So in the hot seat today with me is Charlie Barber. He is the Director of Special Projects for The Connection, and Charlie, you've been... um, one of the guests on the program, and you made the cut. You're going to co-host right. with me I, I've today. I've been promoted. You've been promoted. Okay. So Charlie's a very interesting guy. He's got his own story, and that's why he's been on this program several times. But today, um, you're really here to help us uh, kind of facilitate a conversation. We're, Gerald Scott is here, and he's a vocational specialist with The Connection at the Roger Sherman House in New Haven. And you're the one, Gerald, that said it. We're going to call this one Open Mic. Absolutely. So anything goes. Anything goes. Anything goes. I love that. <laughs> okay, let's just let loose and let people understand Absolutely. where we came from, what we're doing, and and what we're doing today, right? That's Absolutely. what it's all about. Yes. So, Charlie, how did you and Gerald ever meet? Well, Gerald has also just been promoted uh, to, to be a case manager at, at The Connection Absolutely. based on his good work. He's been with us for a while, and uh, I've seen the good work. I've first met Gerald a couple of years ago when he was working at another agency and he and a colleague uh, ran a group on Thursday nights in a halfway house in downtown New Haven. It's, it's the group continues today and you may well, you know, get back to it. A very powerful group. It is, it's called men empowering men and it is, uh, all folks from halfway houses in New Haven, many of whom are, because The Connection runs two of the three halfway houses. It's extremely well attended. There's usually 15 or 20 guys. It, it's not, it's a, often mandated by parole officers for the clients to go there, but it doesn't have that feel at all. Um, but, you know, some of the guys are still actually in their prison uniforms because they got out two weeks ago and they don't have any money for clothes. So they're in white shirts or yes. green shirts and khaki pants kidding me i'm not kidding you in fact most of the guys uh are that way so uh the the gerald and his colleague gave out you know bus tokens and uh you know for people to get there because these are people with no resources so let's can i just stop you there for sure. a second so you just brought up a point so they don't even have clothes to change into no. so you know, what can we do? Like, you know, and this is, this is interesting because I'm going over to my dad's this weekend and going through his closet. He's got so many things he doesn't need anymore. And he goes, well, I don't want him to go somewhere that I don't know that they won't get used. Right. Absolutely. So here we go, right? We can fill those 
bags sure. and the clothing, and we could sure. have people donate them. Right. Right? Absolutely. Where would we do that? You can, you Gerald's program at Roger Sherman House Absolutely. in New Haven, because some of those guys are are at Roger Sherman or just arrived at Roger Sherman. Okay. So it's basically through the connection. True. And, you know, it's a critical thing because it can be an identity changing moment from, oh, yeah. obviously, you know, um, and, and the focus of this group is, uh, is men helping each other. Absolutely. And uh, Gerald co-ran the group using his own life experience Absolutely. of having been there. So as is uh, the guy who runs the group with him um, is also was incarcerated for many, many years. And they use um, group therapy techniques and curricula that they got in prison. So I'll just tell you real quick, the night that I was there, uh, I will never forget this. So um, Gerald and his colleague William have a mirror, like a kind of three by five inch mirror. And they say, we're going to do a group that we learned in prison. It's called Man in the Mirror. So what you do is, this is the exercise. You look at the mirror for two minutes without, you know, directly at the mirror. And so it actually took about, there were 20 guys there. So it took 40 minutes to go around with the mirror. Then Gerald gave out pieces of paper, things that I like about myself, things that I don't like about myself. Things that I want to change. Three things for each. And um, one guy, the men struggled, some of them, with holding the mirror for yes. two minutes. It's a long time. It's a long time for anybody. Mm. One guy actually had to put it down after a minute and leave and then came back. And he was yes. he was congratulated when he came back. Yes. And the idea, obviously, is a coming from AA and other traditions, a an honest reckoning of the self. And I just I recall some of the things that men some of the men wrote, which was, um, "What do you see? I see a hustler. I see a um, you know a dealer. Um, I see this. I see that. What what do you also see? I see a son. I see a father. I see uh, a good man trying to get out. I see anger. What do you want to change about yourself?" And uh, and and then I remember one guy broke down and he said. Uh, he spoke with very heavy accented English, and he said, I'm so happy doing this exercise because the last time I did it, which was a year ago, because men stay with this group. Absolutely. There's a guy in this group that's gone for five years. Absolutely. Um, the last time I did this, I didn't have a job, and now I have a job. Yes. So that was the first time I met Gerald, was wow. co-running this group. So let's talk a little bit about Gerald. Um, amazing story and you, you already you've already moved a lot of what you have forward Absolutely. so so where were you what happened oh wow this story goes back for some time uh back in 89 when i was uh first incarcerated um i was looking at 60 years in prison six zero yes ma'am for um cell of narcotics uh, actually i was uh caught with a quarter of a key of cocaine and um, it was right at my home at the current time. Um, I was just getting out of high school and I probably was roughly a couple years out of high school and um, you know, just got caught up with the wrong crowd. Uh, and I often say 
and I speak this story telling the guys at my orientation where I'm at now, currently at the Roger Sherman Work Release Program, is that my ever first case was a child support case because most of the guys that come through the system have various cases, and one of them are child support cases that pretty much weigh a lot on the guys. And for the most part, they uh, obtain employment and moving forward, those are one of the struggles they deal with. with because someone comes after them for child support. Absolute so you got absolute. the struggle of find, trying to find a job, you yes. get the job, and then someone's garnishing yes. your check for child, child support. support. Absolutely. But that is your responsibility. Absolutely. Okay. So um, moving forward with myself, um, I got arrested. I went away for some years. And coming home and prior to that uh, arrest, you know, I currently worked. So I did have the understanding of working a full-time job and various jobs and um, not understanding where I was at at that present time of having a job and knowing what to do with it and catching that case, both of those cases, which in one that made me realize that, hey, you know, this isn't as hard as I thought it was. What, a full-time job? Yes. Well, because you probably job. went from, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, right. making X amount of dollars. You want to fill in that X blank? Well, the thing is, I was working a real job before I made X amount of dollars. What made me go after the X amount of dollars was the child support case. And um, being under the pressure of the um, child support enforcer and the judge and to get in couple thousand dollars in a short period of time I knew I wasn't making that much money on my regular job to produce that in my check so um, I looked towards my community and I seen a couple friends who I thought was friends and you know um, we all know the dictionary definition of friends but um, long behold I got jammed up and I realized that I was going away for a very long time. It wasn't nothing that was surprising to me, but I understood because if you do break the law, you're gonna pay for it and you know, you gotta own up to what it is. So um, after coming home, I faced a lot of adversities as far as finding employment again. Now I got this X on my back, but I pressed my way forward and I was able to you know, find comfort in my spirituality. That's what pretty much is the biggest thing of my life. And um, I end up getting a full expungement in 2009. So that pretty much would shift things for me to work in the uh, field that I'm And that's in based on, um, just explain the expungement process. That's based on the, in the, on the good work and the turnaround that you yes. had, you had uh, documented. Yes, it was a very lengthy uh, process. Took me pretty much over a course of seven years to get that. And the reason why I say a lengthy process because I stuck to working full time. So it was just in my mind just to constantly work, you know what I'm saying? Not think of doing anything negative, but all of positive. And it wasn't until a gentleman offered me a state job that um, made me even go after it even more. And I explained to the gentleman that, hey, I won't be able to do this type of work. And he said, yes, you are, because you're already doing it. And I was working with um, autism. Mm -hmm. And that's where I found my way in and working with people who are less fortunate than I am. And um, that kind of kept building up. But uh, going back to the state job, I didn't get the state job. And the lady says to me, um, when you get the expungement, 
then you come back. But I never came back because my goal was to help people who were less fortunate than me. So I stuck with working with autism. And till today, I still do that, you know, and as well as I work with formerly incarcerated individuals at the work release program because I look at them as me. And that's where I came from. And getting the expungement uh, took me a course of seven years. And um, I had two appearances, three attempts. And when I said two appearances... Um, before the board to try and get Before the board to approved. try to get the approvement of that I had really changed myself. So and, you went yeah. from a 60-year sentence to expungement, which yes. means, I'm assuming it's off your record. Absolutely. It's I have no record at all. And um, as um, Charlie mentioned, my uh, co um, my uh, employer and my co-worker, you know, I went to a Christmas party. I normally don't, don't do Christmas parties because, you know, a lot of Because you're working too hard. And I'm working too hard. And, and I, um, I understand that, you know, this is the time to network. And I never got the opportunity to do that. So I took the advantage of going to the Christmas party because I can network. And I started networking with different people who opened up the avenue for me to work with ex-offenders. And um, I've done that for a course of five years now. And um, lo and behold, in 2017, that had ended, but also building good um, work relationships with uh, parole and things like that, I was able to get to the connection. And you're very well respected in the New yes. Haven community. Yes. So it seems to me, and, and tell me if I'm if I'm correct, it's almost a spiritual calling at this point. Absolutely. You know, uh, I called Roger Sherman the other day, and uh, you know, you're you're more senior now. Who yeah. picked up the phone? You picked up the phone, <laughs> right? Yes. You're, you're not supposed a, to be picking up I'm the a phone. Very much of a team player, right? And that's just who I am. And it, it just seems that this is a sweet spot for you. This is the culmination, or you know, the process of a journey. Yes. You can bring to bear your experience, right. and you bring—I have to say—you bring a sort of a joy to the work. Is yes. is my perception? I love this work. I, that's why I get up every morning. It took me a long time to find my love and my my niche and what I do, and um, and I really look within myself to see what I can see that I can help in with any individual that I work amongst. Um, I can't say anymore that the spiritual aspect, um, and right now I'm in training for a deacon at my church, so it really makes and helps me go the extra mile with the guys at the program because of my character that I bring to the program is the same that I carry into the community. But Gerald, you know, I know in the program, a lot of people have a hard time with that piece, <laughs> with the spiritual spirituality yes. piece. So um, do you hit them with that right when they come in, or do you kind of, you have to kind of first out figure out what's going on and how you can get them settled in, and then maybe that comes a little bit later? No, I, um, I just pretty much... Um my bishop had this thing, uh, action speaks louder than word. And being um, understanding of my uh, ethical things with work, I can't speak upon those things. But with my action, I show that. And my respect towards the clients that are there goes a long way. I don't look for it to come back because, gra gra granted, it's going to come back. 
on how I treat them. You know what I'm saying? They see and not understanding, but knowing that no one ever called them Mr. or excuse me, sir, or please, or thank you. Mm -hmm. So when they hear these type of words, they kind of be able to come and not in a high pitched voice, but in a low calm voice. So they have to come and draw near and understanding what is asked of them to do. And that's just how. And the, the attentiveness of in this group that I mentioned when I first met Gerald, um, the guys are so focused on the power of these exercises, yeah. the respect that they have for Gerald and his and his coworker. You know that just comes through yes. that sort of uh, authenticity and integrity. So my question for you is: Did you did you change? Was there a moment of change, or were or were you always? Did you sort of get caught up? The criminal lifestyle mm -hmm. was not. You know, it was never really you. No. You got caught up in it because of not that you know you're the kind of guy who right. takes responsibility for what you do, but you know you were caught up into a life and pressures, right. and you kind of got in over your head, yes, and you got absolutely. is that is that correct yeah, to and say? That's pretty much what it is. You know, um, I believe a lot of people respect my loyalty, and I think they took it for granted as well. You know, but um, being that. Um, I was a type of person who was uh, easygoing, you know. When you're easygoing, people kind of take that in misconception of who you really are. And instead of saying, "Hey, that's not for you," once you go ahead and continue to work, no, it was more welcoming for that. Well, I got to tell you, Gerald, I, I I can't see you standing on the street corner selling <laughs> drugs. I mean, you know, for those of you listening, we're speaking with Gerald Scott, and he's a vocational specialist with the Roger Sherman House in New Haven. But, you know, he's got these little, like, professor glasses on. <laughs> you know, he's got a really nice, trimmed, tight beard and a plaid shirt and khakis. I mean, man, I don't know. You'd be the last thing I would <laughs> consider being a drug dealer. Yeah. But, you know, there therein lies the, the stereotypes, yes. too, right? Yes. That Stereotypes it, are, you know, usually yeah. wrong. Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. So, um Talk about the importance, Charlie, too, and, and you know, I know in so many different things, whether whether it's mental health right. or, you know, that peer-to-peer -peer support Absolutely. and having somebody that's been there, yeah. you know, to talk to. And you even talk about that in group. I mean, I love nothing more than going into a room or getting in front of a group of people yes. that are just like me. Absolutely. You know, everybody's got different issues, that's but right. we have one thing in, we, in, right. in common, and that's recovery. Yes. And, I, and I think maybe to your point and that, guys maybe don't consider or are surprised that you have this lived experience yes. because it, 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 you know, Absolutely. one wouldn't necessarily expect that. Right. Right. So how does that, you know, work out when you do share with them, um, you know, your, your, your background? So um, this is a, a take that I use from the um, men in power and men group that we uh, currently is going on today. And I kind of have a introduction we go around the room and I let the guys share who they are and what brought them to the work release program. And then when it comes to me, I hit them with 197150. And some of them were taken back by that because they wouldn't know. They look at as me as probably being this preppy college student coming in with this theory. But I asked them, you know, you can't get this out of a book, this experience, this life experience. And, you know, it was well worth it. If you ask me, would I do it all over again or would I change it for something else? No, because mm -hmm. I got what I uh, actually put out. And 
actually it was a blessing. You know, I, I feel the same way. You know, I mean, I have regrets. Yes. You know, with, with some of the things that happened when I was, you know, active. But, um, but I'm so grateful for what I have today. Yes. And that's part of who I am today. Yes. And being able to give back. Yes. And help other people to realize the beauty and the blessing in yes. recovery. Absolutely. There's nothing like no, it. No, it's nothing like and, it. And from a, an agency point of view, uh, this is you know, hiring and prioritizing people with lived experience mm -hmm. is something that's part of our uh, work, our strategic plan that we're working on now. And um, it, you often find your best employees, right? You know, uh, because they have a, uh, a an incredible drive that yes. you can't buy. Yes. You know, um, it's hard one. It's yeah. hard one. That's always a debate. Yeah. I'm sure Absolutely. you you wake up wondering. You know, we're blessed with where you are now and the hard, yes, absolutely. the price of the ticket that yeah. you had to pay. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of our most driven, compassionate, professional right. employees are people like Gerald. Well, and, and that's the beauty in it, too, is because you can't learn this in a classroom. No. Right. You know, I the other abilities and the other schooling, the psychology and all of that right. stuff is very important. Yes. But this has to be a component. Yes. This really, really does. Yes. And and so I think that, you know, that the connection really feels um, strongly about bringing people, giving them a second chance. Yes, absolutely. And knowing that there's value and, more importantly, outcomes yes. from having absolutely. people like Gerald, you know, being on the other end and being in these facilities. I mean, it's just it's just great. Yes. How do you, though, Gerald, how do you keep it from, from taking you down? Wow. Prayer. <laughs> I had this uh, best in that. And, um, you know, often I sit in my office and I do a lot of observing and listening. And um, the most important thing is to hear the guys because that's all they want. They just want someone to just hear them out and, um, you know, and just listen to what they have to say. But know? what's their obstacles? How do you tell them? Because I'm sure you have to at some point. How do you advise them or tell them, whatever you want to call it, to get out of their own way? And especially the, you know, the young, you know, often it's the early 20s guys. They don't want to hear it from anybody. Right. You know, and they, you know, and, and it's not just in the criminal justice right. world. It's any 20-year-old. Yes. Yes. You know, they don't, they, they've got their attitude. They've right. got their idea. But how, how do you break that down? Wow. So often when, uh, you know, I observe and I listen to any young man who's coming and he's from zero to a thousand immediately um you know I kind of sit back and then I say Mr. So-and-so can you come come in let me talk to you for a minute and I ask them what's going on with you you know and they begin to tell me and they're somewhat like the 15 year old who have gotten arrested for the very first time and they kind of reenact in that even though once they enter prison, that time of growth stops. But as a human being, it continues in age. But what happens is that um, my walk of life, I kind of like, you know, let that be the light that shines to draw them in, to kind of give them that, um, that kind of perspective. You just have to step aside and, and, and allow yourself to see within yourself to know what direction you're going in life. And that's pretty much how I kind of capture their attention and kind of get them out of there. And I way. think by modeling the behavior yeah, yourself, because yes. Gerald's 
you know, stands out on the floor for his respectful, you know, he calls them Mr. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just that respect, and in the in the you know the code of the street, it, a lot of it is about the respect, and you know sometimes these exaggerated ideas of what that is. You just straight up show them straightforward yes. decency, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to be your comportment yes. as much as what you tell them, right? Um, all, except for that shocker yes. that you've actually can yes. give them your Absolutely. DOC number, which yeah. you referred Absolutely. to earlier. Yeah. It's the way you handle yourself. Right. But how do you hold them accountable, Gerald? I mean, there's so many obstacles. Maybe they do owe back child support. Maybe they don't have the clothes. Right. Maybe they don't have a, a roof over their head. Well, the way we hold them accountable is helping them follow the rules. Because when one is acceptable to following rules and owning it, then that kind of makes them see things in a different light. And it helps them see that they can do it. And that's just pretty much what it is. It's all about knowing that you can do it. And once you see that you can do it, that makes them kind of move forward. And what's in it for them if they do that? What's in it for them is that they get to see that, one, I can be that present person in my family as far as holding down the job, coming home and staying out of jail. Being able to do pro-social activities with the little ones, such as their children or their significant others. And then not only that, being that stand-up man in the life of a nephew, a niece, or pretty much their own child. And that's just where it is. Because if without that and knowing what it is and not experience, you'll continuously come in and out of the prison system mm-hmm. because you don't want to be acceptable to what it is. Right. And isn't that what this is all about too, Charlie? You know, with the connection, recidivism rate yes. is, is so high. Yes. I mean, you know, we've had guests on the show in and out, in and out, in and out. But if you can just get that one next thing under your belt, that'll get you to the next thing that yes. gets you, you know, so that you don't feel so hopeless and helpless. Yes. And a lot of it is returning to, um, I, I don't think there's hardly anybody that gets out of prison that wants to go back to prison. No. Um, people do tend to do well in our programs. Yes. It's often when they get back to p- what they call people, places, and right. things yeah. yes, in their old neighborhood. Fifteen dollars or twelve dollars an hour at McDonald's yes. versus X yes. amount of dollars, you know, later that day. Yes. And um, you know, it's. Uh, but finding, um, you know, getting employment while they're in the program, which Absolutely. we have a, a, a good record yes. of. 89%. 89%. You've got the numbers. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it reminds me of a, you know, a baseball player in a slump where they, they just, at a certain point, they just want to make contact with yes. the ball. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get one yes. hit and, and one bit of success. Right. So, you know, for a lot of these guys that Gerald works with, they haven't had a regular job. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, holding down a regular job, Absolutely. three months later, they, they're like, hey, I went to work every day for Absolutely. three months. I'm the kind of guy who shows up to that's work. Right. It's those sorts of changes. Yes. That sounds like what Absolutely. you did. Yes. And so, you, you know, you have to see that you've done it yes. to build on it. Absolutely. Accountability. Yes. Right. So, Gerald, I mean, is, is it a fight worth fighting? Um, do you feel like, you know, progress is being made? And, and more importantly, you know, People wonder all these resources, all these programs, but
but it's an investment in not only people, right. it's an investment in the community. Yes. So we've got just about a couple minutes left. What is your message to people out there? Wow. Live life as it is perceived unto you. Because um, you only get this one chance to do it and many second chances to turn it around. And I think that's what's helping most of the individuals who are currently incarcerated and formerly incarcerated and are part of the work release program, they're getting a second chance at life. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it to the fullest. And that's what I try to show them every day by showing up. Whether I'm sick or I'm not feeling too well, I come through there with a smile. And uh, we have a young lady that's uh, down at our front desk. And she says, you always have a smile on your face. And I said, that's just what life is, a smile. So you have to just continue to press your way forward. You know, and it's never too late. I mean, no. Shirley, you see mm -hmm. this, you know, people with addiction, I've seen people get clean and sober. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're yes. 20, 40, 60, 80. That's right. You know, there's still life after and a good life if you just, you know, pick up on the programs and, and you know, sometimes people can't help themselves over right. there in that own situation. It might be some of you listening that are on the peripheral yes. of, of the situation that can step in. So if you want more information on The Connection or any of their programs, you can go to theconnectioninc.org. Well, Gerald Scott, you settled me down a little bit. You're so soft-spoken. <laughs> You're so calm. You know, we're like yin and yang. Yes. <laughs> but sometimes that's what you need, right? Yeah. Just bring you yeah. back down, take Absolutely. a deep breath, yes. enjoy every moment. Yes. Yes, I'm very humble for this opportunity. Charlie and Beth, I appreciate you guys. Uh, this is, have been a life experience for me. And, um, you know, I just like to say these three things. It's never too late to be a parent, to change, and be educated. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. Something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.